coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. This is the Lucy Beatrix Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. At the moment, I'm tapering for a race in a week, which I'm very excited about. I'm also enjoying some delicious treats, which has got me thinking about what I want to talk about today. Half a bag deep into some almond butter cups, I'm going to unwrap my understanding of disordered eating, where it comes from and why, as well as how my perspective on the topic has shifted over the years. And a standard disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and I'm not a certified anything. And trigger warning for those who may struggle with disordered eating, since I do get into some specifics. I remember the first time I learned about eating disorders. Oddly, it was when an anorectic woman was interviewed on an Oprah episode when I was a kid. I never realized that I'd come face-to-face with the reality of the illness over the years, knowing so many people of all shapes and sizes and walks of life afflicted in some way with food problems. As for me, I actually have wrestled with unconventional ways of eating, but also don't see myself within the confines of what textbooks might say is a hardcore eating disorder. Instead, I think about how circumstances led me on certain paths that manifested in the form of severe restriction. I wouldn't flat out blame my long modeling career as causing me to restrict my food, but something did switch over in me when my livelihood depended on my measurements. Still, I always try to remain wise and figure out how to stay in check with food. But I learned that it's pretty hard to navigate a disordered food culture. Diet culture is the result of a few decades of assigning so much guilt and shame to entire food groups, whether it be sugar, carbs, fat, whatever. Diet culture associates the positive and joyous aspects of food as quote-unquote bad. I mean, how many times do you notice people saying, oh, I really shouldn't, and shame themselves for simply having hearty appetites? I guess I wonder how we got so far from the way it used to be, where people just ate when they were hungry, ate what they craved, used foods in times of celebration, appreciated what was on their plate, and food wasn't the enemy. But then there was a huge mental shift and stigma about food. Literally, our entire culture pushes the idea that foods are either good or bad, and it's screwed a lot of people up. And for the ones that get really lost in the noise, or people with eating disorders, I can only wonder how they can dig themselves back out and get back to that natural, intuitive sense of what, when, and how to eat. It shouldn't be so hard, but yet it really, really is. The first step to losing control around food for me was when I lived on my own for the first time as a teenager. I didn't even know how to buy food that didn't have a barcode on it, let alone cook. That, coupled with having no one to eat my meals with, living alone in New York City, set the stage for my disconnect with food. I also had size requirements to uphold. Despite my agency pioneering into the plus-size modeling movement, I was on the high fashion board, and my hips had to stay small. There were always suggestions to dial back on things like sugar or fat, but it wasn't long before practically every food in some way was off limits. The first time I reached the danger zone, a booker at one of my agencies applauded me when I walked in to pick up some comp cards. Someone's ready for fashion week, they said. I was about 102 pounds at 5'10". But it wasn't long before a lot of alarms sounded and I actually needed to leave New York City for a little bit to get a grip on my eating. I went back to St. Louis, where I plowed through comfort foods like brownies and ice cream and got back to my natural set point in no time. When I returned to New York City, I got moved to the commercial division, which was great. My hips could be a whole two inches bigger than what they needed to be on the main board. In the next few years, 
I really made earnest efforts to eat balanced and well. I wasn't restrictive. I actually went big at the buffets at all my shoots for commercial clients. I piled my plate with scrambled eggs and bagels, as well as a cupcake or two for dessert. I couldn't have been further from restriction. But then I went through a breakup and I felt I needed a change. I decided to switch markets, leaving New York City to try out LA for a little while, where I lived with one of my agents. There wasn't any pressure from my agency to drop weight, but I could see a difference in the kind of jobs and treatment I received on set when I did. I started cutting back on certain foods again and booked a ton of modeling jobs right away. It didn't take very long to get back to where I was the first time I'd heavily restricted my intake a few years prior. The agent I lived with got worried because when I dropped weight, I dropped real fast. I blame a sense of loneliness and feeling empty when it came to what I was doing with my life. I also just think there's something about people who are predisposed to food issues where we just use that as our tool to get through hard times when it feels like all else fails. After that first LA trip, I went through waves and waves and waves of different periods of restriction until finally, only about a year ago, did I leave the worst of my food problems behind. I quit my job as a fashion model entirely, and I decided I'd rather pursue what I love doing, which is writing and running. Oddly, my body was able to bounce back from deprivation, and I came to life through running fast and far. The only thing is that now I can identify certain aspects of our society as the root cause to a lot of disordered eating behavior. Seemingly innocent remarks or food shaming are magnified to me given my past. I see a strong correlation with assigning guilt and shame to food and think this is where it all begins. I really do think that eating disorders come from a disordered food culture, a diet culture, and so addressing this stigma and trying to reverse it could possibly improve the situation. In any case, it takes a serious effort to practice abstinence from diet culture. In order to stop it dead in its tracks, I personally focus on the positive aspects of food. I also think that finding a sense of community and gratitude in your life allows food to be much simpler. Your body will know what it wants, when it wants, just like when we were kids and didn't know the difference between a macro or micronutrient. Getting back to that state, well, that's where I see the means to an end to disordered eating. And on that note, I'm going to get back to work on that bag of almond butter cups, so I'll see you next time. <laughs>